0: hello everyone welcome to another episode of anti-culture season three my name is josiah synonym and i'm so glad you could join me in uncovering the concept of culture through some pretty unique stories i hope everyone enjoyed my new take on the show in episode one about the subculture of the western church if you're just tuning in now we're taking a bit of a turn from what i've usually done and instead of focusing on one person we're highlighting more than one individual within the context of what culture they're a part of. Episode one was, if you missed it, all about the church, and we highlighted three people who've considered the concept of church a part of their life, either currently or in the past. I have some amazing episodes still coming your way this season, and you chose a good one to come across today. Before we jump in, I want to give a shout out to the amazing network of Alberta-made podcasts that Anti Culture is a part of, the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Check out other shows like mine, including This Is Adulting, hosted by Danny and Jack, all about figuring out how to be an adult. You can find it and many more Alberta-made podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. This episode is also brought to you by the ATB branch of arts and culture. It's built for artists so that you can do your banking in a way that works for you with a community of like-minded people. Creative and banking working together. It's why ATB will always be more than a bank check out this program at atb.com slash the branch. In case we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Josiah Sinanen, and my mission is to simply challenge the concept of culture and cultural identity that we've come to adopt in the Western world by listening to people's unique stories and realizing through asking questions that everyone in one way or another creates their own culture, regardless of race, affiliation, identity, and background. Yes, these play a role in how we think and behave, but I believe that the true nature of an individual can only be expressed by them. This means coming across a slew of fascinating people that have stories you wouldn't believe. Sometimes inspiring, sometimes controversial, and sometimes strangely relatable. Essentially, the people on this show are all people that you might expect to say one thing, but their stories end up speaking something completely different. Today, we're hearing the story of two individuals who are or have been involved with multi-level marketing on some level or another most notably Amway and its conduit worldwide. For those of you who didn't cringe at the mention of those names, let me explain. You might be familiar with Amway, a company that sells health and beauty products and is known well as a multi-level marketing company. Essentially, when you buy an Amway product from a representative, they're building their platform based on commission, which benefits the associates above the individual who sold the products to you. It's a non-salaried sales technique that relies heavily on networking. Over the years, it has gotten somewhat of a sour reputation for the tactics used to bring people into the company. There is apparently no pressure for people to recruit, but the benefit in recruitment is that you get commission on the sales below you. Chances are you've encountered this company at some point in your young adult life. You might've had a high school friend suddenly take an interest in you who you haven't talked to in years. They ask you for coffee and about 10 minutes in, suddenly they're talking about how they'll be retiring at 25 and they have a mentor who's been helping them out. Yes, that's Amway. If you haven't been trained to see this as a red flag, you might have been living under a rock for the past while. This isn't necessarily a pyramid scheme, even though there's a pyramid structure to it, but the company mentioned here has been investigated by the Federal Trade Commission in the past for pyramid techniques, which are illegal. We'll get into the detail of this argument later in the episode. The company has also been known to influence people to join based on their strong Christian conservative worldviews and inspirational training, which is under the larger branch of Worldwide, often used in place of Amway so people aren't directly dropping the name. Now over the years my opinion of this company and the people in it has been a constant part of my life, and I've always been fascinated by how people are drawn in. My own parents were once involved with the company for a short time and had friends involved with it when I was quite young. They always told me that though they don't necessarily wish they got involved, they did get a lot of training that was valuable to them from a business perspective. I thought the system was outdated, uninteresting, and frankly, pointless growing up. Why would I buy vitamins from an annoying acquaintance when I could just walk to Shoppers Drug Mart and not talk to anyone? Well, I was wrong. Amway reported an 8.8 billion sales year in 2018 and its presence followed me into post-secondary. I've sat through multiple awkward conversations about success that always fell flat, and I've denied coffee countless times. What was the deal with people getting so into this? I know this is a show about being unbiased and asking questions. So I wanted to give two people I know and love an opportunity to talk about their experience in this company. These friends of mine have never tried to recruit me myself, but I was fascinated to hear their stories about how they joined and what the movement means to them. One of the guests is still involved in the company actively and the first guest actually chose to leave it. So let's take a dive into the world of Amway, starting with my friend Awak. Here's what he had to say. so i kind of told you a little bit but this episode is kind of all about the culture of multi-level marketing yeah and what has gone into it and the perceptions that people have about people who get involved yeah and yeah i wanted to you to get on because you have an experience of leaving a situation that was in multi-level marketing but you don't necessarily have a negative mm-hmm. view of it so i thought it'd be really cool to hear your story but before we jump in this is called anti-culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like knowing about people's background and what makes them tick. And yeah, I just want to give you like an opportunity, to, like, tell us who you are, what you're about, where you're from. All right. And what you're up to now, like, give us
1: a little intro about Awok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My name is Awok. Like I was born in South Sudan, grew up in Kenya, and then I, I moved here. I moved here to Canada. Crazy. Yeah. Well, how old are you when you moved to Kenya? I don't even remember South Sudan. Oh, wow. Like I was really small, like like probably like less than a month. And then we moved. Oh, wow. And was that out of necessity or did your family have opportunity there? No, actually, like, like I was born during the war. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, like they were just getting away from it. Okay. Wow.
0: (laughs) And your, were your parents, they grew up in South Sudan, but pre-war. So they probably had a different perception of the country than you do.
1: Yes. Yes. Actually, even my older brother would like definitely have something to say about it. Right. Even like growing up in Kenya, it was just mostly all fun for me because I was young. And, but like my brother, my older brothers, my cousin, they probably have a completely different, I mean, there are stuff that I do remember here and there, but still like To me, it didn't seem like anything because I grew up in it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, now that you're looking back and you have a different perception of what normal is, right? Right. Then then you're like, I guess it wasn't that. It wasn't as uh, normal. uh, Yeah, normal (laughs) as I thought it would be. Right. And did you grow up in Nairobi then? Um, No, actually. Like, we go back and forth. My uncle did have a house in Nairobi, but we were in a refugee camp. Okay. Yeah. Wow, yeah. and you grew up. How old were you when you left Kenya? Then I was eleven. Eleven. Whoa. Yeah.
0: So that's like most of your childhood. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. And how did it feel coming to Canada for the first time? Was it really crazy? Do you remember what you thought when you first came? It was cold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was really cold because like we were we were dropped off in. I know we stopped in Ontario for like a couple of weeks because my brother was um he was like sick. Okay. And then after that we moved to Winnipeg. And oh, whoa. It was really cold.
0: Yeah wow yeah. and do you feel like how did you perceive yourself when you were in this new country as an 11 year old did you feel like you were excited to like jump into a new culture or did you feel like this is so different i don't even know what to do with myself
1: like what was your thinking uh, for me i just sort of jumped in yeah i love like different places i love being cool. in new uh environments right even when we were in uh kenya we would move around quite a bit right like okay like we would like for instance, like. We would go to the city like Nairobi right stay there for I don't know like months at a time maybe even like a year okay and then we went to like Uganda stay there and then came back to Kenya and Whoa. then go back to the refugee camp traveling was like part of your life already yeah, like I, yeah. I dig it yeah <laughs> cool that's sweet yeah
0: and did you so what did it look like growing up in a refugee camp at that age did you have Did you still go to school What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, there was school. It was not it was like kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Like I think I went to kindergarten and I did grade one and two in, in the refugee camp. Whoa, crazy. Yeah. And then I did, and then I had to repeat two again when we were in Kenya, like in, uh, sorry, in Nairobi. Okay. Right. And then I did three in Uganda and then came back and did four in Kenya again in, in Nairobi. Fun. Yeah. And then like we moved here. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> like like school, like it wasn't consistent. You would go for a little bit and then it would stop. There was a lot of mistreatment because there was a lot of Somalians and then there was the mm. Sudanese and they didn't get along Okay. at that time. Right. Like for me, I was pretty lucky because my mother is Ethiopian. Right. So therefore, like most of the time I get mistaken for So I didn't really have oh, okay. the, the hassle that other Sudanese probably would have gotten. So did
0: you feel like you could kind of be in both cultures in a way? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah.
1: They would eventually know that I'm not because I didn't speak their language or, right, right. <laughs> or any of that. But if I was just walking, nobody would like bother me.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And in Canada, did you feel like, did you have an opportunity to kind of quickly jump into the culture or did you feel like it was more of a learning experience for you? Like how are you perceived here
1: as compared to in the refugee camp, I guess? I jumped in pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, I'm a pretty outgoing. Like I would just yeah. start conversation. I already came here knowing English. Right? Okay. So yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah. It did, it did definitely. Like I wouldn't say I was great at it, but yeah. I still I would, I would keep up with what was being taught and cool making friends and all that.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, so you mentioned your mom being Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. Do you still
1: have family in Ethiopia or South Sudan right now today? Yes. Yes, I do. My family is uh, well-spread, actually. But speaking about immediate, my mom's side, they are – my grandma's still in Ethiopia. All of her sister and brothers and their offsprings are in Ethiopia. Okay. And then um, in South Sudan, yeah, I have an entire bloodline there. So, like, it's huge, massive. Wow, (laughs) nice.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you have more of an affinity towards Ethiopia or South
1: Sudan? And why do you think – I'm more towards South Sudan, okay, like, because that's just um, in the cultural that we grew up in. Wherever your father's from is, mm. or like, it doesn't matter where you were born. You're okay. like automatically from that tribe, from that country, right? And right, like being um, a male child for me, like it was right away. Like, yeah, he's South Sudanese, right? <laughs> wow, cool. Yeah, and I grew up thinking that, right? Right. And does your mom speak that language? <laughs> she speaks Amari. Okay. Um, I too used to speak it when I was no younger. No way. Yeah. Like growing up, I, of course, like you don't practice it as much. Right. Yeah. And then you lose it. Wow. And so when you see, I mean, there's a big Ethiopian
0: community here in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you kind of relate to them or do you kind of like separate
1: yourself from them a little bit? What's your feeling? I know there is a big, there is a lot of them here, but I don't, I don't um, associate with like a lot of them, I would yeah. say. Like I just, but then again, I don't associate with like us, just one individual group. Right, right. Because like I can, like I'll talk with them. Like most of them speak Amharic. Yeah. Right. So like they'll get into it with that. I'm not like I don't speak it anymore. Right. Right. So I wouldn't. Also, like I don't have a ton of Ethiopian friends. <laughs> right. Do you wish you spoke Amharic still? Yeah. Like so yeah. Actually, now that I'm grown, yeah. I, I I wish I I still do. Yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, let's jump into this topic. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about multi-level marketing and that Mm -hmm. for a lot of people has a bad image conjured up in their head. I think there's kind of a bit of a bad reputation for Mm -hmm. some people, especially here where they feel like people that get involved with multi-level marketing situations Mm -hmm. are trying to rip them off or maybe, you know, have something else in mind. And you previously were involved with one Mm -hmm. and I kind of want to hear about that background. So, um, I believe it was worldwide that you are involved yeah, with.
1: Yeah, I was with worldwide. And
0: how did that come about? Like, what happened? What was your story about how you heard about it? And
1: Well, like, I came across it from, like, it was a young guy. His name is Vince. He approached me, like, uh, I was dropping off some stuff. Like, I was working for a company, and I was dropping them off to a company he worked for. Mm-hmm. And we just really were chatting, really. Like, we were really going at it, and we connected really quick. And he's like, hey, man, like, if you want to... I would love to get to know you a little bit more and I want to introduce you to something I think you would really like, right? Mm -hmm. An opportunity, of course, right? And like, given that me and him just clicked so quickly, uh, I was like, yeah, why not, right? Like, at the time, I thought it was like probably a side job or something like, because he's in concrete and I want to do a business in serving uh, uh, construction workers, right? Right. And uh, yeah, so... Little did you know, it was a network marketing with the company worldwide and Amway, right? And like, I didn't know anything about Amway or worldwide. So like, I I went in, like, at that time, I wasn't ready because I I was going like through a lot of personal stuff. And I told him, hey, man, like when time is right, like, let me call you back, right? Mm -hmm. And I was serious about that. Like, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with the the business or uh, what he had said or anything like that. I was just like financially, I wasn't at a place where I needed to be at in order to to keep up with certain things that you have to okay. uh, to do for that business. Right? Yeah, and then uh, yeah, so I left, and then like probably a year later, I called him up.
0: Um, and what made you want to call him again?
1: Well, actually, I ran into like I uh, he's been trying to get me to come to a seminar. Oh, okay, right? Yeah, and I had met somebody. Like she, she just invited me out. I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll come with you. Like she, like put me through a process, and it's at the time it seemed similar to what I was like I had already done, but Mm -hmm. I just like you know, there's been a year gone by or (laughs) sorry, right, right, right. So, um, and then when I got there, I seen like somebody speaking live, and I was like, wow, like this is like amazing. Like this is like the like my mindset where i was at i was ready for to take in what i was being taught right yeah and um i ran into him i seen him in there i was like hey man like this is what you were talking about he was like yeah i was like oh okay cool cool and then um i called him up like like probably like two days later like like we sat down have coffee and then uh yeah i decided to like get him to basically teach me what was going on okay yeah
0: okay cool so you yeah. kind of had a bit of a journey that like sparked your interest mm-hmm. what do you think it is now that you're out of it that why do you think people do have such a negative stigma about being involved in that kind of marketing what do you think it is that turns people off from that
1: well a lot like for honestly i think sometimes it's just they don't have enough information on they would associate it with scheming or pyramids or mm-hmm. any of other stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, it's If you get to know, if somebody was to introduce you to a business, you would want to know what that business is, right? And then like, look at everything that comes with that business, right? And then you put it side by side. Is it legal? Is it illegal? Because Mm -hmm. this company has been operating for like 50 years or so. And like before me... Like if I can find something negative about it, and the government of Canada hasn't, like right, <laughs> right, yeah. like that's that was just my mindset okay, yeah, going into that's it, fair. right. But right now, other people would would do the same thing. They just don't have enough information on what mm-hmm. it is they're they're doing, and then a lot of a lot of times they they want quick money, or they think like this is um, yeah. something that they can just get a ton of people signing up, or or sometimes it will be just somebody promised them like something that wasn't true. And do you think that maybe that, because I think,
0: I think my opinion is that the stigma is negative because it's almost like the approach seems like it's like a quick fix. They're taking advantage of people that are looking for something and there's no promises attached necessarily. And so do you think like, do you think down the road, maybe the model works, but maybe there's a different approach that they can put in play? Or do you, do you like
1: kind of how things are set up? Again, like it's all depends on who's approaching you, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's. Like a ton of people who have, for instance, for me before I I launched, I was actually like again like I had financial reason, right? Mm-hmm. And I was right re- like I was like, oh, I'm ready to launch, and like one of the mentors was like, actually, you're not because I'm looking at your finances because they they, they will help you, right? They want to get you, they want to set you up. Like at least I was like they wanted to set me up for success, right. right? I have to be able to make the dittos. I have to be able to actually buy the products and like, yeah. like they have to teach me ways where to cut back on my spending so that I could be able to afford these things. Right? right. Right. And other people would have just been like, yeah, yeah, sign up, like do it. Right. And then that's where the problem is because if somebody was like, if you were interested and then mm-hmm. you said, yeah, I'll sign up. And then was like, boom, okay, let's do it. Right? right. Then it's more about them and less about you. Right. Okay. Right? That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like you don't really have a lot of negative connotations,
1: though. So. I, I, I had a lot of good experiences. I yeah. made a lot of great uh, connection and great friendship. Even some people who I who partnered up with me, even though later on they left and I left the place as well, we're still like good friends, like, right. and we still have like we're still really searching for whatever that thing is that we need to succeed to t- right. to uh, succeed in, right?
0: So if that's the case, why did you end up leaving? What was your decision based on? It
1: was, um, (laughs) for me, it was more, I found myself talking more about my side business than I was about worldwide, right? As much like I learned a ton of like uh, success principles through worldwide Mm -hmm. and the mentorship I got from them. I was more excited about my business. Yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't approaching people to talk to them about the Amway or any of that. I was more interested in what they were doing and and how and if they were happy with what they're doing and like basically i'm trying to find a connection with somebody who's working Mm -hmm. in concrete or construction or in uh so that i can maybe uh serve them in that world yeah rather than trying to help them come into amway was there any
0: negative consequences to you leaving did people like did you get kind of chastised by your mentor or did
1: you from getting in from beginning I, i i understood they have a business to build if I was to reach out to them, they probably would be like, "Hey, yeah, let's have a coffee." Like, but at the same time, I knew that they were serious and they were going hard mm, in yeah. building their own business, right? And I didn't want to take away from it either. So, like, right. it was, um, it was one of those like, oh, I understand, right? Like, I'm not hurt by it or by yeah. any means, right? And yeah. And
0: do you think? But they, were they hurt by it? Do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say yeah. <laughs> Maybe like I, I don't know if like I didn't, um, I didn't really. Uh, look back that much like every now and then i would run into them yeah like hey how's it going good good everything's good they're working some of them actually like they're they're not even in anymore my the person who who sponsored me at the time like he's not doing it anymore wow, yeah right and uh, like he's probably doing something else like Mm -hmm. it's not a it's it's not an easy like dealing with people all the time it's not easy and some people just they don't want to do it anymore. Right? Yeah, they, they don't want to fair. have to like mentor anyone. They just, it becomes truly stressful. Yeah, And if somebody was to come to you and say, MLM is, it's easy and this and that, because that's not what I experienced. It right. wasn't easy. Right. You're constantly have to chat with people and trying to basically understand them, see where where they are in life and mm-hmm. what can you do to help them.
0: And so being where you are now, do you think if someone was, considering joining worldwide would you encourage them to do that would you say like yes i would recommend doing that or would you just kind of be like hey listen you can learn these principles in another way let me show you
1: how how do you think what way do you think you'd go well like it like it it all depends as to why they want it like why do they want to join right like some people like if if they say, like, if they came to me, I was like, oh, it's like somebody came up to me about this business and it's so easy and they want me to join. I, obviously, I'd be like, one, it's not easy. Yeah. Right. You need to sit down with that person and get them to tell you what is required of you. How, um, like, what is the road going to look like ahead, right? Yeah. Before you join. And then secondly, why are you joining? Right? like are you, are you trying to make money? are you mm-hmm. trying to gain knowledge are you because all of this is still going to cost you because all the seminars all these business guys that come in to speak to inspire you to uh educate you it costs money right right? Are you willing to go through that and pay all that
0: so now how long have you been out of
1: worldwide I'd say probably over a year
0: over a year okay, yeah, and how over has a year I guess your vision for your life shifted since then? And what are, you, what
1: are you working towards now? I had me and my buddy, like we were like, I was basically, I want to be self-employed. Like I still have the whole starting the S quadrant, like, you know, move up to the the big business and all that other sure. stuff. But like the S quadrant has been like pretty tough because I- And can you explain what that is quickly? I read a uh, business of the 21st century by Robert Kiyosaki. Yes. Uh yeah, he's the one that wrote that. And basically there's um like an employee like you fall in one of the brackets, right? Like okay. there's employees, uh self employed, small businesses, and then there's big business and then there's investors, right? Okay. So basically my mindset has shifted from employee to self employed. Self employed small business owner. Okay. And so basically this is where I'm stuck because I I did uh like concrete prep work where i was basically being paid like i'm self-employed being paid differently not like hourly rate uh, i didn't pan out it didn't work out so yeah. where are you thinking now what's like the next the next well, project <laughs> now like it's still like i'm still like going to do that project, Right. I'm just trying to figure out how exactly I'm going to get investors and so like now just reading, I want to start reading some books on basically getting funds, Yeah. Right? Like trying to see how to get investors, get people interested, maybe like business proposals and stuff like that. Cool. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think Amway helped you with that then at the uh, end yeah. of the day?
1: Well, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's why I never have anything um, negative to say about right. Amway. Like even though I couldn't keep up with a ton of their other things because again, like it's it's very time, like it will consume a lot of your mm-hmm. time, right? Because you have to read, listen to audios, all this other stuff. It was really shaping my mind, right? Yeah. And all the stuff that I did do, I can still use them toward any business.
0: Right. That's really cool. Well, it sounds like throughout your whole life, you've been adapting and learning and mm-hmm. just kind of applying yourself as best as you can where you can. And I feel like you've been successful in that way in terms of, I don't know anyone that's lived the life you've lived. (laughs) That's (laughs) in my circle right now. So congrats to you. um, Thank you. Yeah, I wish you. you the best with what's next.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Awok's background has influenced how he wanted to pursue his dreams when he came to Canada, and he's still figuring it out. Along the way, his influences and direction in life eventually led him to Amway. Both Awok and my next guest, followed unconventional ways to get to where they wanted to go, and perhaps that played a role in them finding the company. My next interview is with Diego, who's still involved actively in Amway, and he'll answer a lot of the questions you might be wondering after hearing from Awok. Interestingly enough, both Diego and Awok come from families that left their home countries due to political unrest. Awok's story is from Sudan, as you just heard, and Diego's story is from Venezuela. There's not necessarily a correlation here, but it is interesting to note. And we dive into that a little bit. Here's what Diego had to say. Cool. So, I think you kind of know what this episode's about. We're talking about yep. multi-level marketing mm-hmm. and kind of people's experience in it. Yep. And I do want to jump into that, but I do Also want people to hear a little bit about your background story, because I think you have a pretty fascinating background story in terms of your culture and where you came from and why you ended up here. So why don't you just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of insight into your cultural identity? Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. I arrived, I'm originally from Venezuela, so I got here in Canada about... 13 and a half years ago okay or so and so and you
0: grew up and were born in venezuela right i was
2: born in venezuela yeah so it's essentially 12 years in venezuela and 13 years here in calgary
0: yeah whoa almost half and half exactly yeah crazy yeah and what made your family come to canada
2: well you can look it up in the news you can just type up (laughs) in as well and you'll just see literally all that news around what's happening in the Mm -hmm. country and so there's uh There's a lot of uh, things happening in terms of corruption. I don't know. Everything kind of stems from the government. You know, inflation goes from there, the lack of... uh uh, quality services stems from there, um, you know, the lack of funding for projects and stuff like that, and the insecurity, the mm-hmm. massive inflation that goes, I think, yeah. over like a million percent or something like that, some ridiculous number that changes as the day progresses. Literally, it changes on a daily basis. Right. It's terrible.
0: Like the value of a dollar, basically. The value yeah. of the,
2: the currency over there. Right. And so it's becoming dollarized, uh, isn't? that's how you say mm-hmm. it, right? dollarized. Yeah. And yeah. so... And it's unfair right because yeah. not a lot of people have the the opportunity to make that kind of money kind of the wealth gap you know
0: before was big but now it's like just crazy yeah so growing up there did you kind of were you while you were growing up there was that under the same government that's there now or uh, when I was born no but basically okay. five years later in 1999 that's when the
2: right the whole uh, commotion happened with uh, Hugo Chavez and all right that, uh,
0: right it's not good And do you still have family in Venezuela now?
2: Uh, A lot of... I still have family over there, but I have family everywhere now. You know, I have family in Australia, the US, Mm -hmm. Argentina, I think Colombia as well. Whoa, crazy. Obviously, we're here.
0: Yeah. And was it... Is it kind of like a fortunate circumstance that your family was able to leave Venezuela? Yeah.
2: We we were actually... We were very early on in the um, kind of the whole process of what's happening now because back then things were pretty bad but nowhere near to what it is now things were still working properly i guess the only thing though is that uh, the reason why my parents left was because they didn't see a solution to the the problem Hmm. they knew you know if if i were to ask them it's almost like they knew intuitively that this wasn't a normal government like um, right they were gonna they just
0: had a feeling about it yeah, yeah yeah
2: and so You know, some things happened back in 2001, 2002, and, you know, essentially what happened was that they were just killing people in the streets, Mm. and nothing happened, you know, no one was held accountable for it. And, um, well, there was a huge rally in the capital city, and then for some reason my parents noticed that, you know, that this isn't normal you know there right. there's um there's snipers that are people are shooting people in the middle just in the streets you know and nobody knows mm-hmm. what's happening it's supposed to be a normal rally but why is this happening you right, know? right so it's pretty scary stuff
0: yeah that is mm-hmm. and do you wish like if there was none of that happening do you wish you could have grown up and continued living in venezuela yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. do you think one day you'll go back if things settle down
2: even if things don't settle down i would still go want to go back yeah. for sure. Even though there's a lot of uh you know the country's not good at all. But I think um you know a lot of the commotion, a lot of things that are happening are uh, actually in the capital city and perhaps even in the in the major cities mm-hmm. in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And so we can probably still explore, right? Right. Um, there's still room for that. And you know I, I know some people that have gone back and they still love it, you know, but it's, it's kind of, it's different because Mm -hmm. a lot of their families aren't there anymore. Right. And so a lot of the things that they grew up with and, you know, same for me, a lot of the things that I grew up with, if I wanted to go back, it wouldn't be the same because almost like number one, no one's, almost no one's there. Right. Yeah. So. And when you moved to Canada, you were 12? I was, yeah, I was 11 and then I turned 12 Okay, a month after.
0: And how did you feel coming to Canada? Was I was it, excited. You were excited? I was very excited, yeah. Did you feel like a culture shock at that age, or was it more so like just jumping in? You know what's really interesting? I I didn't really have a, much of a, a culture
2: shock because I came here in the summer, so for me it was more of a vacation than anything okay, else. Okay, yeah. Um, and I did had, you
0: come straight to Calgary, or did you... Straight to Calgary, Okay, yeah. okay. Both
2: my parents are engineers, and so uh, and both worked in oil and gas fields for essentially their whole working life, and so... Calgary was the place to be, especially at the time, right. two thousand five, two thousand six, where it was booming. Yeah, that time. makes sense. And, but no, no real culture shock until I got to school. That's okay, was the, uh, that's the big difference.
0: <laughs> and did you know English coming here or no?
2: Uh, basic, but I could barely even understand it. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: And was that that was pretty challenging then?
2: It was very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Very lonely time at that uh, at that time.
0: How do you feel about being Canadian now? How does that make you feel? Are you happy you're Canadian? Do you feel still more of an affinity to Venezuela? Yeah. Where do you fit culturally in your own perspective?
2: Yeah, I think I don't necessarily call myself Canadian. I, even though you know I've I've grown up here, I uh, still you know almost like you know I I don't even think about it, but I I relate very much to my Venezuelan background Mm -hmm. to my roots. Even though I grew up here, if I were to go back to Venezuela, it would be I would be a Canadian. <laughs> you could tell right. that I was Canadian, yeah. right? But yeah, you know I don't. Uh, yeah, I never really uh, felt like I related to the um, moving here or, or the Alberta culture. I guess you <laughs> yeah. call it Calgaryan culture. Yeah, I, I don't think the culture itself I didn't relate to it, but it was more the um, the quality of life that uh, people have here. I think I've grown very accustomed to it. Yeah,
0: (laughs) understandably. I want to dive into Worldwide and kind of how that became a part of your life and maybe your experience here in Canada. And so like right off the bat, I just like, how did you get involved with something like Worldwide? What was your experience getting into that? Maybe I'll start with Mm -hmm. asking actually, how would you describe Worldwide to someone that didn't know anything about it? Let's Mm -hmm. start there.
2: I think, um, you know, you have to put a lot of context to uh, even what WorldWide is. WorldWide is actually not a multi-level marketing company. So multi, uh, WorldWide is a training organization. So that's specifically what they are. Mm-hmm. And so um, to put that into context, I was actually, WorldWide is almost the um, the, the training side of things when it comes to building a, you know, the network marketing company that uh, sure. I had initially started. Sure. Yeah, it was uh, really odd, actually. I guess quick story was that um, I was, you know, a buddy of mine that I uh, went to high school with. We were still hanging out quite a bit after high school, and I I just noticed that he was just changing a little bit. This was uh, probably a year after Uh, or six months after uh, we had graduated. Okay. And so um, he was just telling me that he was attending all these meetings and stuff like that and just meeting all these people. And I I wasn't initially like skeptical. In fact, I wasn't skeptical at all. I was actually a lot more curious to know what the heck he was uh, a part of.
0: So he kind of introduced you to that concept and you were intrigued by it.
2: Yeah, I straight up asked him, can I meet these people?
0: Cool. Yeah. Do you think the way he spoke about it made you want to do that or were you just kind of like, I need to figure out what these secret meetings are? Was it more curiosity or was it like, I want to be involved?
2: I think it was both because okay. of the way that he presented it at the time that I was um, just where I was in life, you know, my mentality was that I didn't, I just didn't want to go to school. I felt like it was a very closed way of living life. You know, I, I hated the, this perspective of just being on, on this linear path of going to school, mm. graduating university, and then getting a job and then basically working until I'm dead. You yeah. Know, I, right. I didn't like the idea at the time. And so this was very much uh You know, almost like the answer at the time for me, because it talks specifically about that and
0: not living the linear life, not living the linear life. And
2: so when he was telling me all this, you know, I asked him, you know, can I meet these people, even Mm -hmm. though I didn't know what it was, even though he hadn't uh, really given me any details about it. Although I was hesitant, obviously, because I didn't know them. Yeah, uh, I knew him.
0: Right, right, and, that makes sense.
2: And, you know, he presented it for me. Um, when I say presented, he just talked about it. He like didn't sell me anything, but he uh, talked about it as a, a personal growth opportunity, you know, right. precisely what I was uh, yeah, what you were looking, looking, looking for at the time. Yeah.
0: So now that you're kind of, you've been in it for a little bit, um, taking a step back, why do you think, and I'm sure, I don't know if you may, you might've discovered this maybe later in your journey, but why do you mm-hmm. think there is such a negative stigma for this type of network marketing? in our society why do you think people look down upon it why is it something that kind of has i don't know people kind of turn their noses to it when they hear like worldwide or amway or mm-hmm. multi-level marketing why do you think it's such a negative connotation i
2: think um it's it's the negative connotation or the negative uh popularity i guess uh, comes from a long time ago network marketing industry has been out there for maybe 50 60 years or so right something like that and so i think even started from the the 70s the the reason why I think is because uh, of a lot of people presented as a, you know, a, a quick money grab, I guess, like mm-hmm. a, a way to make money fast right. and a lot of money fast, you right, know, and right. I think the that people that get involved with it that have no uh, business background, that literally have no uh, sense of uh, what it is to, you know, to build trust with someone, to actually properly or even have the knowledge of what it is like to even own a business and you know, it takes time to build a business. You mm-hmm. know, it takes uh, effort, consistency, uh, discipline to build something like that. Yeah. And so, I think that people that get involved that really don't know what they're doing kind uh, of ruin the reputation for everyone else that mm-hmm. wants to build something that uh, that is of quality, essentially. Right. And so, you know, you hear of very sketchy yeah, just very random situations where, you know, you know, for they invite their friends over for a, a normal thing, you know, a family, a family dinner or yeah. a coffee or something. And then all of a sudden someone else, you know, this person that is involved <laughs> with them in the business is there too. And it's kind of like, what is this? Yeah, who is or, that? you know, they bring, <laughs> they already like, they bring a book or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, they're about, oh, this is what I wanted to talk to you about actually, you know, and, Yeah, yeah. and just stuff like that, that literally comes out of nowhere. And, you know, people act weird as well. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's almost like now they, they have to convince this person in order to, to get in, and so it creates uh, this like separation, and it creates a disconnect for for people that are involved and people that aren't involved that perhaps maybe be curious just to know. Yeah, and but yeah. It's the the way the manner in which it's done is very sketchy.
0: Is mm-hmm. not um,
2: not conducive to uh, a large organization.
0: And would you boil that down to the fact that those people that maybe act that way and do give it a bad reputation, is it because their mindset is just kind of in a different place than the people that are really committed? Is that kind of the issue there? I think
2: it's a lack of maturity. Okay. it's a lack of maturity around what like what they have ownership mm. of right mm. and I you know I, I'm speaking about in general the network marketing you know industry yeah it was specifically you know you could say it involved in, in something that didn't necessarily um, do things in a, in a matter in which a lot of network marketing do things you know and, and network marketing uh, companies do things and so like an example, like we we I never was taught to convince people, I was never taught to, to push a product, I was never taught to really, uh, I guess, uh, almost like offend people um, and have a maturity uh, about the fact that these people don't understand what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way that I was always taught to do things. Right. Where in other companies, you know, in uh, other, in, you know, yeah, in other companies, what happens is that it's very much a push and shove type of a situation. Yeah, okay. It's like you're either you're with me or you're not type right. of a mentality, right? Right. And so with that, like you're not going to war. You know, you're you're simply <laughs> you're talking to them an opportunity that was offered. You know, and so yeah. why do you have to
0: be weird about it? And you mentioned at the beginning, you said that worldwide itself is not necessarily a multi level marketing strategy. It's mm-hmm. completely different. But I also think there's. A bit of an understanding that there's a difference between a pyramid scheme and multi-level marketing. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to describe what the difference is between pyramid scheme and multi-level marketing? And then also talk about how worldwide isn't that? Yeah. Yeah, Like what's your understanding of those terms?
2: Yeah, yeah. You can just look it up, but I I will give you just a simple example. Sure. A pyramid scheme has a, a pyramid structure essentially where the main recruiter recruits people uh, essentially telling them that uh, they will make x amount of money if they invest x amount of money mm-hmm. and they will earn that money as they essentially recruit more people right, right? right. and so um, it's not that the the people that they recruit don't make money it's just that it's the way that the system is created is that uh, the person that, the people at the very top of the pyramid make most of that money right the other thing as well that makes it illegal and that that's what you need to understand. A pyramid scheme is an illegal uh type of uh, it's a scam essentially right you know? and so um, that being said they're they're not selling a product you know it's not based on uh a service or a product that they're providing. It's hmm. simply telling the person that you invest x amount of money, you recruit right. these people and then right. you make money back off okay. of okay I see. Right. And what makes it illegal is the fact that the investment (laughs) the investment is coming from the money that is, you know, apparently invested, but there's no product or service Uh, I see. Does that make sense? Yeah. That being said when it comes to a multi-level marketing company, is that it, the one of the major differences is that it does offer a, a
0: right product a real product or service? Or service right? Yeah, okay.
2: And so the at least for me, for example, the the business model for different multi-level marketing companies may differ. For mine, you know, it was with uh, Amway essentially. Very simply, the the money that was earned if you let's call it recruited or, or you actually got people involved was uh, through. The um, the money that the company made through the sales of products. Right. It wasn't you know no you don't ha- you don't pay nor do you make money if so- you get someone involved. Okay. Right? Okay. That's one thing. The other thing as well is that a pyramid structure is that automatically you know that the person at the top is going to make money. Right. When it comes to multi level, again going back to you know my experience alone is that regardless of where you're positioned. Number one, for a multi-level is actually not a pyramid. It's actually more of a web. So it, right. it, it expands okay. because it's not positional. Because the reason if someone, you know, takes you under their wing, right? If someone takes you under their wing, it does not mean that you cannot earn more money that, than them. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. And so it's not positional. So it can be, you know, three people so-called so above you, you know, or before you, and you could outwork them essentially by taking more people in, you know, switching their point of purchase, as mm-hmm. it, it was for, in my case, and then the amount of volume that is, ba- that is um, essentially bought of the products that Amway would provide, either that they would buy for themselves or they sell it to, you know, to their customers. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that and makes so sense, yeah. so it's not, it's not based on, you know, it's not based Position on necessarily, or- correct. there's a, a lot of things. I think it, it comes more from um, what I have learned essentially is more of a, a, a business mentality, I guess, and the ability to to really connect with people and read people. I mm-hmm. think that's the the main mm-hmm. thing that I have learned up to this point. Yeah, I think that's those are the main things, you know, the ability to time manage, you know, the ability to, you know, influence people. It, it helped me a lot. I was, you know, I had been working sales for quite a while and so it helped me kind of launch uh, almost right. a career in that, you know, the opportunities as I, you know, as I know it, it is a personal growth opportunity with a business attached, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the thing that, um, you know, I, I want to make clear that multi-level marketing, it's the company itself. So Amway itself is not interested in my personal growth, you know, Amway right. strictly what they are interested in is their volume of products because that that's how the company makes money. Yeah. Right. And so... Basically, for me, on the worldwide side of things, you know, utilizing Amway as um, essentially as the opportunity that provides a business opportunity, Mm -hmm. utilizing those uh, those two together, what I what I learned was that growth, like personal growth, is um, is not linear at all, and in fact, that you need something to apply that growth or that new understanding.
0: I guess that's probably one of the main things that I learned from that. So what's next for you personally? Do you have a project that you're working on or maybe a goal that you're headed towards? Like what what are you hoping to do next? Yeah,
2: I'm currently going to school right now. I'm going to, um, I'm I'm taking architecture right now and it's my first year. And so I've been in in this kind of a a weird journey for myself, but I think that I'm just learning uh, for myself the things that I'm good at and the things that I'm really passionate about because i I've learned that that is actually really important you know to to get to know myself and and to really push myself in in school you know is another aspect that i I didn't necessarily i guess get to ex- got to explore um during my time it's not that i'm you know I'm currently not building my my business right now because I kind of wanted to put it on a standby for now. Mm-hmm. I still keep in contact with uh, some of my mentors and the people that uh sure that I'm connected with through that route but uh I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a growth opportunity to get to know myself. Uh, and some, some of those things that um I, I'm you know, I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm passionate about architecture. I love design, I love the critical thinking aspect of of what it is to actually produce a building because it's not linear at all. You know, it, it takes a lot right. of thinking, it takes a lot of uh, uh background knowledge to know, you know, where to build, how you can build, what are the boundaries that you have, you know, what, what are the I guess you can say the bylaws, the codes that you need to learn right, through right. that, right? And so all of that- all it's, the levels,
0: yeah, the um, multi levels. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I um, I love that aspect, and cool. I think that's uh, an aspect of that I loved about the business as well because it's not linear, right? It's, right. It's right. all about growth. It's all about learning new things. So very it's cool. Really cool.
0: What a cool personal revelation out of that too. That's sweet. Would you say there's any cons to something like worldwide that you would advise um, against?
2: <laughs> cons. What you need to be aware of is that any you're purchasing a business. Essentially, that's what you're doing. You're right. you're allowing yourself to have the opportunity to work for yourself. And so that's what you right. need to be aware of is that any business is going to have some sort of a uh, thing that you may not like. Yeah, if, mm-hmm. I think any, all the businesses that, mm-hmm. you, that you build, you may not like something. And so that's the perspective that you need to have uh, for it, right? That's good. Because like, if you want to succeed, I guess you're going to have to deal with some things that you may not like.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Diego. Absolutely. That was My great. Pleasure. Thanks for giving us an inside scoop. No worries. <laughs> At the end of the day, despite my annoyance at the beginning of this episode, I hope I've highlighted my point again this week. Once we humanize a story, a lot of the missing pieces and judgments we might have had tend to fall away. Talking with Awak and Diego, my understanding for their situations and why they pursued something with Amway opened my eyes to what they might have experienced in the process. And for both of them, they ended up with the tools that they believe will carry them through to where they're headed. I'm excited to stay in touch with these guys and hear more of their background journey when it comes to their cultural identity, but I wanted to focus on this angle for the time being. Perhaps the next time you're asked that awkward coffee, you can ask questions yourself and hear more of the story. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Anti Culture, recorded in the awesome We Edit podcast studio here in Calgary, Alberta. All of the show's graphic designs and logos were crafted by Arcade Studios, and I'll see you next week for another deep dive into what culture means. In the meantime, I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. Feel free to send me a tweet at Josiah Podcast and find me on Instagram at the same name. We'll see you next week for another episode of Culture.